everybody, and welcome back to Access Blockbuster Pod. This is Chris, and welcome to episode three. Uh, this is going to be a really interesting episode, I think, because it's Oscar season, and the awards are just around the corner. Um, actually, of the recording of this episode, it's actually tomorrow. Um, and I thought, what better time than to uh, give my predictions and my thoughts on some of the films and some of the categories that are going to be presented in just a few hours. So Oscar season every year is a big deal. Um, you know, not just for the people in Hollywood, the actors, the directors, the screenwriters, not just for them, um, but for, for movie fans in general. It's a big deal. Um, because it's it's a really a way for us to really celebrate the, the greatest films that have come out in the past year and just, just appreciate the, the achievement and the level of, you know, the caliber of these kinds of films that have been released. It's really a chance for us to just, you know, sit back and say, we've really had some great movies this past year. Um, and so every year it's become a, you know, kind of a tradition for me and for a lot of people, I think, to predict who they think are going to win the Oscars. Because it's really, um, you know, exciting to see all these films nominated, but it's even more exciting to kind of kind of think about who's going to win the awards. And so today's episode is going to be uh, me talking about who I think is going to win and kind of giving reasons why um, and just diving into that. And so I will give a couple disclaimers before we kind of dive into to the meat of this episode. Uh, the first one being I haven't seen, uh, I would say, a majority of the films on this list. I have done my best to see uh, a lot of these films, and you know, every year it's exciting because I every year I get to see more and more of these films, and um, it's really great to be exposed to this these you know really top notch caliber films. Uh, that being said, I haven't seen a majority of them, um, and so you know, keeping that in mind, I also do feel that I am qualified to talk about a majority of these films because I I do know a lot about you know most of them. Uh, and I've been keeping up with, you know, the buzz around surrounding these films. Um, so that is one thing to keep in mind. Uh, a second thing to, to keep in mind before we kind of, before we dive into this is that uh, I'm going to be talking about these picks, these quote-unquote Oscar picks, um, in regards to who I think is going to win. And I think there's, you know, a distinct uh, differentiation that needs to be made of who I think is going to win and who I want to win because there are certain categories that I think uh in my opinion dif- you know really differs from uh what what the academy bo- voting body has decided upon and so um you know given recent trends and 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 whatnot I really um I really want to emphasize that these picks are not going to be who I want to win but rather my analysis of who I think is going to win based on momentum and based on you know past voting trends and all those uh, all those kinds of factors that I think are going to play a huge role in tomorrow's Oscars. Before we dive into the actual picks, though, it's just let's just take a little little time to talk about the uh, actual Oscars themselves this year in particular, um, but also to kind of you know mention some of the recent controversies that might have. That might be a topic of conversation, um, one such being diversity within the Oscar nominees. Uh, in the past decade, I would say, diversity has really become a big, big issue for the Oscars. And it's one that's being addressed, I do believe, um, although, you know, perhaps more slowly than, than a lot of people would, would like, um, particularly in terms of race, um, with uh, minorities you know, perhaps not being as widely represented in the Oscar nominees, as well as gender. And this year especially, I think, you know, the past few years have have been really good, you know, especially with Black Panther being nominated last year, uh, though, you know, many kind of suspect that that was purely a a play on the Oscars to promote diversity, because, you know, there are are a couple opinions on that, one such being that, you know, Black Panther truly was one of the greatest films that you know, that year. I happen to disagree with that. And I think a lot of people happen to happen to disagree with that. Um, and the other camp being that they, you know, nominated the film for Best Picture simply on the basis of diversity. Either way, um, regardless of, you know, what whatever the truth may be, 
there are strides being made to amend that diversity issue, although the issue does still remain. Uh, the second thing that, that will stand out about tomorrow's Oscars, but maybe less so than last year, because last year it was a big deal, and this year will continue that trend of the Oscars being hostless. Um, and I think I think that's really interesting that, you know, perhaps this is going to be a trend. I think in this digital age of, uh, you know, information being so readily available to us, especially about people in the past 20, 30, 40, 50 years, um, you're seeing a lot of, I think, disadvantageous things come out of this digital age to where people are, people's mistakes are being revealed about them, you know, like many, many, many years later than than when they were first said. As as you know, Kevin Hart last year uh, was, you know, there was a controversy surrounding his comments that he made many, many years ago, which he has since apologized for, and then he left the Oscars, um, and then they just went hostless. And and you know, this is this has been a problem with people like James Gunn, uh, who tweeted out you know, pretty inappropriate jokes, very inappropriate jokes, uh, many, many, many years ago, but has since reformed and become a better person to many. He was fired by Disney, uh, from Guardians of the Galaxy 3, uh, reinstated later, and so, you know, there's, it's a very dangerous age to, to kind of live in and kind of be playing around in because of just the information that's readily available, and so I feel that the Oscars think it's best for them in terms of publicity and just terms of, you know, trying to mitigate the controversy that comes out of the Oscars to just not have a host. And on one hand, I do think that's a good idea. I, I really think that the Oscars are not going to, you know, should not be about the host and should not be about the host's problems. Um, and, and it's a good, it's a good public statement to make to, you know, to the audience about, we really are just focusing on the movies and, you know, trying to trying to lessen lessen the blows that that have been coming out the past few years. However, I do think after seeing last year's show, there is something to be said about missing a host. I think people like Ellen DeGeneres or, or Jimmy Kimmel, who have hosted in in the past few years, I think have have done a really good job of balancing. And this is my personal opinion of balancing, you know, the the show itself with person you know personal humor. Um, and, and some commentary along the way. And I think, I think they've, you know, people like that have done a really good job. I think the Oscars are just scared of, you know, hiring another person and then finding out something bad about them. Um, and so it's understandable both ways, I think. Uh, regardless, you know, I think this year is kind of the year of, oh, well, it worked last year. Let's, let's try it again. And I think it'll really come down to next year, 2021. And if they decide to go hostless again next year, I think this will become the new trend, maybe with a host here and there. However, if they decide to bring in a host next year, this might have just been an interim kind of uh, a, a placeholder um, while they were looking, you know, searching for maybe a more permanent host, a host that would be willing to host year in and year out. Um, I don't claim to know anything. I'm just, you know, talking about what I see and uh, what I think is going to happen with uh, the hosting situation in the coming years. Regardless, those are just, you know, those are just a couple issues to keep in mind as we look at these Oscar picks. So without further ado, I think it's as good of a time as any to start going through the picks. Um, so I'm going to go, I guess, I mean, there's no, you know, uh, least to, to best, but I'm just going to go from sort of the lesser categories um, and work my way up to best picture. Um... And just kind of, again, you know, we're going to go through these picks and, and discuss who I think will win and in certain cases who I think should win and just kind of talk about these films and talk about how great they are because all of these films, I think, on these uh, in these categories are great films. Um, I will not be going through some of the, not minor categories, but just lesser known categories, just documentary, documentary short film, short films. Uh, and that's because I, I cannot claim to know anything about most of those films in there. And so I'm just going to be talking about, you know, the, the categories that I do know uh, the films on and I do know what to talk about in those cases. Um, and so let's just get into it. Uh, the first category that we are going to be talking about is best sound mixing. Um, and best sound mixing and best sound editing go hand in hand. 
And I confess, I, I, you know, it's hard for me to kind of, you know, tell the difference. I think it is for a lot of people. I think sound mixing is really the, um, I get well mixing of sounds, but in, in more in depth is kind of taking all those sound effects and and noises and really putting them into the film and integrating them, and uh, you know, taking the existing sounds which are edited first. So I think these sounds are created first in the sound editing and then mixed. Um, and I think so. I think you know that's what we're we're talking about here. Uh, so the nominees for this category are Ad Astra, Ford v Ferrari, Joker, 1917, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, again, these are all great films. Um, and I think, well, Ad Astra, you know, less people, you know, not as many people might think that Ad Astra was a great film. Um, but the other four have been nominated for Best Picture. And my pick to win and who I think deserves to win is 1917, although uh, Ford v. Ferrari is a close second. And I think 1917... Um, you know, you look at Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it has great sound, Joker as well, but I don't think that sound is as pivotal to those films. Uh, Ad Astra, I would even consider Ad Astra to be third in this category. I think that, you know, 1917, Ford v. Ferrari, and Ad Astra are the three films that, that more rely on sound. I think Ad Astra much less so. I think Ford v. Ferrari and 1917 really rely on the sounds of, you know, in the war films, the gunfire and the airplanes and just being in the trenches. And I think it's so critical to that film and Ford v Ferrari as well, just the cars and, and to really capture that aesthetic of a, of a racing car, a car film. Um, but again, I think, I think 1917 will take this category. So best sound mixing my pick, uh, to win 1917. All right. Uh, let's move on to the next category, which is best sound editing. Uh, and so again, this is going to be, um, kind of the creation of these sounds to begin with, if my understanding is correct, Um, you know, making these sound effects, which will then be mixed into the film. Uh, So the nominees for this category are Ford v. Ferrari, Joker, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. Um, You'll notice that that Star Wars is in there, and I think that's kind of a nod to to blockbuster films. I think, um, if I'm not mistaken, normally you'll see a blockbuster film in one of the two categories, sound editing and sound mixing. And that's just mostly because, usually in sound editing, I think because of those just organic sound effects. And especially with a Star Wars film, you have all the lightsabers and the blasters and, and uh, you know, all of, the, all of those sci-fi sound effects that are really integral to the film. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's not really surprising to see Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker um, in there, in the mix. Um... That being said, what uh, people have noticed, eight out of the last 13 years, I believe, 13 years of Oscars, sound mixing and sound editing have been matched. The winners have been the same, and I think this year will be no different. I think 1917 is going to take it. Again, you know, blockbuster films, they don't usually win this category, I believe. Um, and I, I, again, I really do think that 1917's use of those sound, uh, sound effects for to really capture that war environment and to really capture that atmosphere is what's going to help it um, take those two categories. Um, so 1917, in my opinion, uh, is going to take are, is going to take those two categories, and it's going to be off to a strong start with those two wins. I think um, just a precursor to my other picks, but I think 1917 stands to do the best in tomorrow's Oscars. Um, and so, which is no, no big surprise if you've been following along with uh, the other major awards, uh, 1917 has been just crushing it. So uh, let's move on to Best Original Score. Your nominees are Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, 1917, and Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. This category is interesting. Um, I won't mention how many of these films I've seen, Um but out of these five films, I have seen four of them, and I do actually believe that uh, out of these films, Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker um, has the best score. And perhaps it's my bias. I, I fully admit to you know my bias. John Williams is an absolute legend. And I think, by the way, that 
uh, I can't quite remember the number, but I do believe that this is going to be John Williams' 60th or 50th nomination. Something incredible like that. It's absolutely insane how many times John Williams has been nominated for Best Original Score. Um, so that on its own deserves to be pointed out um, as well. That being said, out of the four films that I saw out of these five films, um, Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, I think, has had the best score, had the best integration of the score into the film. And, you know, I if I were a voter, I would have voted for Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. However... However, everything is pointing to Joker uh, winning Best Original Score, which is really interesting to me because I've heard I've heard the music for this film, and to be quite honest, everybody's kind of saying how revolutionary the music for this is and just how wonderful it is and how fitting into the movie it is. I don't I I don't actually quite get it. I don't, and maybe this is just something that I I'm not you know. I'm not seeing something that other people are seeing. Regardless, though, uh, my picks for uh, to win Best Original Score is going to be Joker because I just think all the momentum is heading in that direction. And um, yeah, I think I think that regardless of my opinions, Joker is going to take Best Original Score. All right, three categories down. Let's move on to Best Visual Effects. This one's going to be really interesting. Um, this one. So the nominees for Best Visual Effects are Avengers Endgame, the only nomination for uh, for Avengers Endgame, The Irishman, The Lion King, 19, excuse me, 1917, and again, Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. Now, you know, it would be easy to jump on the Avengers Endgame and just say, oh, look, you know, how, how many visual effects that film had. It's crazy, you know, whatever, whatever. It should be, it should win. It's an Avengers film. Um, I, I would happen to think that Avengers Endgame is maybe fourth out of these films. Maybe, well, maybe third. I would, I would, if I had to rank these films in terms of who I think will win, um, I think it would be Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. No, I think it would mean 1917 and fifth. I think 1917 is, is effects heavy, but maybe not visual effects heavy. Um, it seemed, I, I, I saw a making of 1917, and it looked like a lot of it was very practical, actually. Um, and so I just, I can't see 1917 really, you know, seriously contending in this category. I think after 1917 and fourth would be Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, um, followed by Avengers Endgame. I think Avengers just has the leg up on Star Wars. I think their visual effects were not only better, but also more. And I just, I just think Avengers Endgame's visual effects are spectacular, um, as always, for Marvel. Uh, that being said, I think this comes down to The Irishman and The Lion King. And, you know, you might be surprised by The Irishman if you haven't heard of the film, because the other films are big, you know, big films that really capitalize on visual effects. However, um, The Irishman notably de-aged Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci, and Al Pacino. And apparently, you know, they, they did it very, very, very well to the point of, you know, near precision, just they looked like their younger selves had been acting in the film. So it's really between that and The Lion King, which is essentially completely CGI, except for one shot in the film. You know, there's a argument to be made that this is actually an animated film, but regardless, it's completely CGI rendered. And so... It's really hard for me. There are people who actually do believe that The Irishman is going to take this category because of just, you know, the Oscar bait kind of thing where it's like the visual effects of de-aging and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I just, I just, you know, if I were an Oscar voter and this one might be The Irishman, it really might be because I can totally see... Um, the Oscar voters really just leaning into the Irishman and just saying, we really wanted to pick the Martin Scorsese film. Fine. Um, that being said, I think The Lion King is just so strong of a contender simply because it is just one giant visual effect. And it's just so hard for me, you know, if, uh, to, to, to step into the shoes of Oscar voters who, who see all of these films, presumably, and who saw The Lion King 
to not go, that's where my vote is going, because it literally is just a visual effect, and it's spectacular. It really is. It's it's just groundbreaking CGI, use of CGI. It's spectacular. So my pick to win best visual effects is going to be The Lion King. All right, let's move on to best production design. Um, kind of the set buildings and, and the atmosphere and just, you know, where production, just how how the, the sets were designed and the setting and the atmosphere was created. Uh, your nominees for best production design are The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite. Um, you'll see that Jojo Rabbit and Parasite make their first appearances, at least, you know, from going backwards, they, they make their first appearances uh, in this podcast. And it's this one's a toss-up, I think. Uh, the next few are going to be toss-ups because these films really take our period pieces. The Irishman uh, is, a, is a return to the gangster movie. Jojo Rapid takes place in the 1940s during World War II. 1917, of course, takes place in 1917. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood takes place a few decades ago in Hollywood. And Parasite is, is a really uh, niche film which whose production design really lends to the film itself. So you have these five films. And actually, you know, kind of listening to myself talk about this, I would I would take out Parasite pretty quickly just compared to these other films in terms of production design because the other four films really take place in a certain genre in a certain setting. Um and I think that lends the you know, that lends itself to to really being advantageous in this category. So I think it's between Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, nineteen seventeen, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um What I will say about this and this and this one I can see going to any one of these. I would say maybe not the Irishman. Um I would I would cut it down to Jojo, nineteen seventeen and Hollywood. Um but between those three I think it's really, really close. Because 1917's production design is incredible. The sets that they built and just the you know the way they were able to capture that World War One setting is phenomenal. Uh, Jojo Rabbit, um, you know, was really able to capture the 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 vibe of World War Two as well in in a more of a goofy light, you know, with Taika Waititi's direction. And Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is really able to capture that old you know feeling of of Hollywood and Sunset Boulevard and just these characters. Um, and it's really, really close. So what I will say is I wouldn't be disappointed if any of these won. I, I would personally put my vote to 1917, um, because of just what I saw in the behind the scenes and just how incredibly detailed they were with building these sets. And so I wouldn't be surprised if 1917 won and that's where I'd put my vote. However, uh, my vote to win this category is actually going to be Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. From all of the buzz that I've heard, this um, this this film by Quentin Tarantino has everything going for it in terms of production design. Just the way they were able to capture that feel of Hollywood and just really capture that within the sets and within the you know just just the actors and everything. I think and and it's close between 1917 and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood edges out 19. 19- 17. So best production design, my pick is going to be Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. All right, let's move to best makeup and hairstyling. This one, I admit, I I, I know the least about. Uh, the nominees are Bombshell, Joker, Judy, Maleficent, Mis- Mistress of Evil, and 1917. Hairstyling and makeup, that's really interesting. Um... If I had to guess, and I, I don't know this for a fact, I would assume that both, if your film really utilizes both hairstyling and makeup, that it would be, you know, it would help lean the film in your favor. And so I just can't see, I, I understand 1917 uh, and the makeup department of just, you know, the war, right? You, you know, like making the people feel as if they were really in the war. I just can't see 1917 taking this category. Um, the other four, uh, I you know, I know relatively little about, like in terms of you know what what goes into the hairstyling and makeup of the film. Joker, I Joker is just one person, I think, and 
all projections seem to be pointing to one film, and so I'm just going to go with that one film, because again, I know relatively little about this category, and so I'm going to give uh, my vote to Bombshell. I, I think all of the um, projections are really pointing towards Bombshell taking the category, and I think that it it I'm, from what I've seen at least it's it's well deserved. It it looks like a, a, a you know good use of hairstyling, um, and and makeup. And I think I think that's what I'm gonna pick to win. So, uh, best makeup and hairstyling is gonna be Bombshell. My pick. All right, moving on to best costume design. This one is a tough one again. Like production design, you have The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um. This is a very similar debate, I think, to production design. Because along with the setting comes the costumes, right? What what really makes the film seem like it belongs in that era? Um, the Irishman, I would be inclined to, to not consider very highly. As well as Joker. I think those two films focus on a few specific characters, while the other three films really lend themselves to this category because of the setting that they're in and really um, really enhances, the, the costume design really enhances the experience because to be honest, if, if Joaquin Phoenix's Joker was, you know, wearing something maybe less appealing, I don't think it would have detracted much from the movie um, versus, you know, a film like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. If you really didn't, you know, put the right costumes on these actors, it, it might have really detracted from the overall film. That being said, I think this is Little Women's category to lose. I think, or to to win, or to lose, I, I don't know the expression, but but I think Little Women is going to take this category. Um, I think it's close. This is another close one. But I think that because of just how intricate that time period, that, you know, many, many years, decades ago, that setting is... And just how intricate the costumes are, you know, for Saoirse Ronan and, and, and Chalamet and Watson, Emma Watson. I just, I think it's it's really going to, you know, come down to Little Women. Um, I would not be surprised if, if Jojo Rabbit won. I would not be surprised if Once Upon a Time in Hollywood won. But I think that this one is pretty clearly, um, maybe not clearly, but... But in my eyes, at least, who I think should win, who I think will win, is going to be Little Women. So that's going to be my pick for Best Costume Design. Uh, moving on to the next category, Best Film Editing. This is a category that I don't think gets enough love uh, from us film fans. And uh, that's because, you know, we, we look at the acting, of course. We look at the visual effects, of course. And we, we talk about the directing of the film, right? But... We don't often talk about the editing, and editing is such a huge, important part of putting a film together. Um, because if you think about it, without the editing, the film is just a disparate clip, you know, a bunch of clips of, of visual effects and, and you know, people talking, right? And, and action scenes and whatnot. It's really in the editing that the film comes together. So the nominees for Best Film Editing this year are Ford v. Ferrari, the Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, and Parasite. This is an interesting category because a lot of projections are pointing one way, and I'm going to actually lean another. This is the first time, I think, out of... Well, maybe not the first time uh, out of the past few categories. I, I don't remember. But this is one of the, I think, bigger examples of, of um, when I'm going to differ from... Um, or differs, excuse me, from what most people are thinking. So let's look at these nominees again. Ford v. Ferrari, Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, and Joker, and Parasite. Uh, all of these films, superbly edited. Um, the, you know, a couple that stand out to me are, are, uh, are Ford v. Ferrari, and Joker, and Jojo Rabbit. Um, I don't know much about the editing of Irishman or Parasite, so I don't, I don't feel like I would be qualified to say much. Um, but what's really interesting is that most people are in favor of Joker to win this category. And what's really interesting to me is that what I've seen from the film doesn't seem to be that uniquely edited. I, I know this is a minor, minor, minor spoiler alert for Joker. Um, 
I know that, you know, there are hallucinations and, and things that he makes up and, and, you know, the editing lends itself to that. But other than, other than that, um, I don't see much reason for it to be nominated here. I, I'm, I'm in the vast minority on that. I know, um, and so actually, despite everybody's inclination to pick Joker, I'm going with Ford v. Ferrari. I just, I think the editing in that film is superb. I think that it lends itself very much so to the to the aesthetic and the design of the film. I think Ford v. Ferrari is going to take uh, best film editing. So that is my pick. All right, let's move on to best cinematography. This one I think is a no-brainer, but uh, we'll go through the, go through the categories. Uh, you got Rodrigo Prieto. I, I'm going to butcher some of these names for the Irishman. You got Lawrence Schur for Joker. Uh, John Blaschke for The Lighthouse. Roger Deakins, 1917, and Robert Richardson for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Okay. So if there was ever a front runner for a category, if there was ever just the obvious pick for a category, it's going to be this one. Um, this this category is going to Roger Deakins for 1917. And again, that's nothing against any of the other categories. Excuse me, any of the other nominees. I think these other, of course, these other nominees are, de- are very deserving of, of a Best Cinematography Award. That being said... 1917 is all cinematography just like how i think the lion king is all visual effect i think 1917 is all cinematography um there's just no denying that this film you know regardless of what you think about it story-wise and and uh you know in terms of being an actual film this this movie is really roger deakins at his absolute best and he is an incredible cinematographer uh with Blade Runner 40, 2049 he you know other other wonderful films he's he's just this is this is his Oscar to win um and and because of the way that the film is shot and just the way that it's made to look like one take it's absolutely phenomenal the work that Roger Deakins was able to to do for 1917 so th- this one's a no for me I think for everybody it's going to be Roger Deakins for 1917. Okay, let's go to uh, Best Animated Film. This one's an interesting one. Um, this is one that I don't know as much about, and this this one could be a very well be a toss-up. Uh, the nominees for this category are How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, I Lost My Body, Klaus, Missing Link, and Toy Story 4. This one's tricky. I... First of all, this is an interesting category every year because there rarely are five films that are really that great uh, in the animated category that come out that are really Oscar-worthy, quote-unquote. And there's been some, you know, complaints about should this category even exist? You know, if an animated film is truly good enough to to be here, then shouldn't it just be nominated for Best Picture, et cetera, et cetera? Films like Toy Story 3 and, and all that. Um... Per, on a personal note, I I did not like How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World. Uh, I know a lot of people did. The critics did. The audiences did. I just thought it was boring. I thought it was bland. I thought it was tasteless. Again, that's just my opinion. Um, and, you know, take that with what you will. I think, though, and this is just my hunch, because Missing Link has actually been sweeping up a lot of a lot of the categories. In, in the Golden Globes and in other um, award ceremonies that have been taking place in the past few weeks. Missing Link, the Leica film. And by the way, Leica has, uh, has made films such as Kubo and the Two Strings, which which I really enjoyed when it came out. Uh, Missing Link has been doing really well. Um, that being said, the Academy has a tendency to look at these animated films and look at the films that they know and are familiar with. And I have a feeling... The Toy Story 4, which, by the way, I believe is, is it's in my top five favorite films of last year. I, you know, I went into Toy Story 4. This is just a, an aside. I went into Toy Story 4 with absolutely zero expectation. I thought the, the idea of this film was atrocious. You know, why do you make a fourth film when, when you have three amazing films to begin with? But 
we made a fourth film and it was it was absolutely amazing um and so you know my my opinions aside because i i do believe it deserves to win this win this category but the voters do tend to pick the film um that is recognizable usually in this in in this category and pixar has won so many of of these oscars so just on a hunch i think that the winner of best animated feature and i could be wrong i could be very wrong about this but i think it's going to toy story 4 moving on to best international feature film if <laughs> well i said that best cinematography was the no-brainer i think this is the no-brainer of the no-brainer it's parasite um the other films are um corpus christi i i'm gonna maybe mis you know mispronounce these names honeyland Lim is pain and glory and then parasite here's here's the deal with this category if parasite doesn't win the oscars look absolutely ridiculous because if you have an international film nominated for best picture and let's just say one of the other films in this category wins like pain and glory wins this oscar what you're essentially saying as the oscar voting body is that pain and glory is better than parasite but Pain and Glory isn't nominated for Best Picture and Parasite is. So if there ever was an absolute no-brainer, it's going to be this category. It's Parasite. So if you're betting on any of these categories, if you're betting on any of these picks, um, you have a lock for International Feature Film and for Best Cinematography, I think, at least. I, you know, cinematography, maybe something incredibly ridiculous happens. But this... This is, I think, 100% guaranteed. 100% guaranteed. Parasite's going to win. All right. We're moving on to the uh, the quote-unquote you know, bigger awards with the screenplays, acting, and the best picture and director. So best adapted screenplay. You have uh, Steve Zalian for The Irishman, Taika Waititi for Jojo Rabbit, Todd Phillips and Scott Silver for Joker, Greta Gerwig, Little Women, and Anthony McCarden for The Two Popes. Um, best Adapted Screenplay, by the way, is, is just means it, it was adapted from some kind of source material. You know, like Joker was from uh, the comic books, Little Women from the book. Um, Jojo Rabbit was based on a book, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, this category is interesting because it's looking at the script, the screenplay, you know, the writing of the film. I think... You have to you have to kind of look at the film uh, on the you know on paper. People always say on paper, blah 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 blah. This is kind of what this category is on paper. And I think that a couple of these films, I think Joker in particular, I think that movie is more about the performance. We'll, we'll get back to that later. I don't think Joker stands to win in this category. The other four films are very dialogue driven. Um, versus, you know, Joker being more performance-driven. I happen to think, and this one's, you know, a toss-up, but I think, and other people seem to be thinking, that Taika Waititi might take home this award for jo Jojo Rabbit. Um, I think it's very odd that a kind of a whimsical film would uh, take this category. Jojo Rabbit is, is almost a straight comedy with, with very emotional and touching elements to it. Um, but I think the mastery of that script is really the interweaving of comedy and emotion and the ability for of, of Taika Waititi to uh, take, you know, comedy, which is really hard in, it, in itself, but also to add touches and, you know, hugely poignant moments of emotion into the film is a huge testament to his writing ability and i just happen to think that taika waititi is going to take this category for adapted screenplay all right let's move on to best original screenplay this one i'm gonna disagree with uh on the projections but we will read out the nominees the nominees are ryan johnson knives out Noah Baumbach, Marriage Story, Sam Mendes, and Christy Wilson Cairns. Cairns. I don't know how to pronounce that. 1917. Quentin Tarantino, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Bong Joon Ho and uh, Han Jin Won for 
uh, uh, excuse me, for Parasite. And yeah, I believe those are the five nominees. So you have, again, these scripts. These are original scripts, uh, original screenplays that these people wrote themselves. And again, you have to look at these films on paper. I'm going to eliminate Marriage Story um, personally for me. I think Marriage Story, just like Joker, is a very performance-heavy film. It's a film that really realized it has great dialogue. It really has great dialogue, but I think it's more performance-driven than dialogue-driven. I'm not sure, though. Not not quite as much as Joker. I think it's still in the running. Um, but it comes down to two films for me personally that I think will win. And this, so the film that I'm going to pick to win is also the film that I think should win. This is the one that I'm least certain on, but it's the one that I have the best instinct and hunch on. I think that this this one I'm going to just go with my gut on, um, and we'll see where that goes. Bong Joon-ho and Han Jin-won for Parasite um, is the obvious choice, I think, in this category. I think everybody's projecting them to win, and I think that I would not be surprised at all if the Academy picks them. I think I think it's their category... Um, you know, it's really a category that, that they're priming to take. However, I think Ryan Johnson for Knives Out deserves the Oscar, and dare I say, he will win the Oscar. I am not 100% confident about that. In fact, I'm very not confident about that, but I just have a hunch um, that he's going to win. And I'll, I'll, I mean, of course, I'm basing it on... on um, at least some, uh, you know, facts and not facts, but my opinions about the film. I think the film is entirely plot driven, plot driven, story driven, and script driven. I think the script and the story is immaculate. It's, it's just, it's so intricate, and it's so, um, you know, in the nature of the film it being a mystery that it is. I think it's just so incredible the way that the entire story really weaves together and comes together at the end uh, to really reveal the unraveling of this mystery. And I think that's just a huge testament to Ryan Johnson and his script. I think if I were reading these these five scripts, and again, I haven't and, and I won't, I would you know immediately be, gravitate towards Ryan Johnson and his film just simply because of how intricate it is and how how delicate it is, delicately crafted it is because of the nature of the film being a murder mystery. This one is the one I, I feel least confident about, but it's the one that I also feel the most confident about at the same time. Uh, so we'll see We'll see how that pans out. So Ryan Johnson for Knives Out. This one might be my Hail Mary out of the categories. We'll see. We'll see. Moving on to the bigger ones, the bigger awards. We're down to the final six. Um... And we have Best Actor in a Supporting Role. The nominees are Tom Hanks for for A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Brad Pitt for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Anthony Hopkins, The Two Popes, Al Pacino, The Irishman, and Joe Pesci, The Irishman. Um, it, it, you know, I was listening to a, uh, a video, um, someone talking about these categories as well. And they pointed out that Al Pacino and Joe Pesci being nominated uh, in the same category for the same film kind of cancels each other out. And I would happen to agree. I think those two actors, as brilliant as they are um, in that movie and just in general, um, the fact is that that movie is more of an ensemble rather than... Maybe not an ensemble because it's Robert De, Niro, De Niro's lead performance, but it's it's more of a combination of those three characters. And I feel like nominating again, nominating those two actors in the same category does, in a sense, nullify um, just you know their chances of winning. I I do think that that is a factor that plays in. Tom Hanks is a perennial favorite to win every single time he's nominated. He's he's you know always talked about as as winning the category. I actually think he's gonna gonna, gonna fall in third. I'm gonna I'm gonna rank these people if I can um, for the next few categories and just, you know, see uh, where they line up in, in terms of likelihood to win. I think he comes in third. 
I think Anthony Hopkins just delivered such too too strong of a performance in the two popes, um, as well as Brad Pitt in Once a Time in Hollywood. And you know, I don't really have an opinion on who should win this category. And I think all projections are going to Brad Pitt. I think Brad Pitt is going to take this category. I think that the buzz behind just his performance and how strong he was in the film and, and also the momentum he has from winning all those awards, it's just it's just too strong. I think Brad Pitt is going to take this category. So best supporting actor, gonna to go to Brad Pitt. Speaking of best supporting actor, we have best supporting actress. The nominees are Kathy Bates for Richard Jewell, Scarlett Johansson for Jojo Rabbit, Florence Pugh for Little Women, and Mar- Margot Robbie for Bombshell, and Laura Dern for Marriage Story. Um, this one's also very close. I actually happen to think um, that Scarlett Johansson would be my pick to win this category. Um, and this, so, so to be clear, this, this is who I think sh- uh, should win, not will win. Um, I think Scarlett Johansson should win this category. I think her performance in Jojo Rabbit was subtle. It was emotional. It was funny. I think that she is, you know, the one to, who should win this category. However, I don't think she will. And there, in terms of just pure likelihood, I, I'm not as confident about ranking these these uh, actresses because just because I'm not as familiar with these films, um, and so I won't. But I just, I don't think the Academy is going to go for Scarlett Johansson's performance. I think that the projections are all pointing at Laura Dern, and I think Laura Dern's going to take it. That being said, just a personal note, I I actually strongly believe that she doesn't, not that she doesn't deserve the Oscar, her performance was great in Marriage Story, but it didn't stand out to me. Um, it really didn't. And it was surprising for me to hear that everybody wanted, you know, Laura Dern to win, and I didn't know if I was missing something. Or I didn't, you know, I didn't know what I was just, what I wasn't seeing from her. But in in that particular film, I didn't really see anything that told me this is someone who deserves the Oscar for Best Supporting Actress. She played her role well and, and, you know, that was, that was it. She was supporting, supporting the, uh, the main lead. Uh, But that being said, you know, all the momentum is in her, in her court. And so I think Laura Dern will take Best Supporting Actress. All right, let's move on to Best Actor in a Leading Role. Uh, you got Antonio Banderas for Pain and Glory, Leonardo DiCaprio for uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Adam Driver for Marriage Story, Joaquin Phoenix for Joker, Jonathan Price for The Two Popes. Here's here's the deal. Um, this one, I'm going to go in the total opposite direction. I thought Laura Dern didn't deserve it for Marriage Story. I think Adam, Desri- Adam Driver does deserve it for Marriage Story. Adam Driver delivers one of the most gut-wrenching and just heartbreaking performances I, I've ever seen in a film. I think Adam Driver, hands down, deserves to win this this award. Um, Jonathan Price's performance was also magnificent. Leo DiCaprio is always just amazing. Banderas is amazing. Here's the, here's the interesting thing. Out of all these people, Walking Phoenix was amazing. I don't think Joaquin Phoenix deserves to win these, this award. I, you know, his performance was off the charts. It was incredible, but just compared to Adam Driver, even I, I he pales in comparison to to Adam Driver in my in my opinion at, at the very least. Um, but as you know, many of you might know, Joaquin Phoenix is just being primed to win this category. Um, he's been winning every single other category. Everyone loves him as the Joker. He's going to win this category. It's going to go to another, another Joker. It, it is. Um, and that's crazy. Uh, crazy in a good way, I think, because, you know, it's it's a step a step forward in, in terms of representation for comic book films, but also just, just good to, to see Joaquin Phoenix win. And, and um, again, I would have really liked Adam Driver to win, um, but I think it's Joaquin Phoenix's to take home. All right, third to last category, Best Actress in a Leading Role. Uh, the nominees are uh, Cynthia Erivo for uh, Ham, no, for Harry, excuse me, Scarlett Johansson for Marriage Story, Saoirse Ronan for Little Women, Charlize Theron for Bombshell, and Renee Zellweger for Judy. Um, again, I'm not as you know confident about these picks as I am for 
uh, the other ones. I think uh, Scarlett Johansson also gives a you know tremendous performance in Marriage Story, although perhaps not as strong as Adam Driver. Uh, Erevo, I'm not quite as familiar with. Ronan, great performance there and great performance. But this one, I'm going to align with the projections here. Uh, I think Zellweger is going to take it. It's just everything is pointing to, to Renee Zellweger winning uh, you know, an Oscar for Judy. And I, it's just, it's hers to take. So um, best actress in a leading role, going to go to Renee Zellweger. All right, second to last category is going to be best director. And the nominees are uh, Sam Mendes for 1917, Martin Scorsese for The Irishman, Todd Phillips for Joker, Quentin Tarantino for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Bong Joon-ho for Parasite. This one's stacked, but I also think this one's pretty obvious. Um, If I had to rank them, I would say Quentin Tarantino might be at the bottom. Uh, I would think... Well, it's, it's it's so this category is stacked, but I think number one's obvious. I think Quentin Tarantino would be at the bottom. I would put Todd Phillips in fourth. I think followed closely by Scorsese, Bong Joon Ho, but I think the obvious winner is Sam Mendes. Just the incredible way that he and his crew, he and Roger Deakins, was able to craft that film uh, in terms of visual storytelling was just off the charts, incredibly well made. I think that he. You know, without him, this film doesn't exist the way that it does. I think it's just he had a vision for where he wanted to take this film, and it worked out so incredibly well. Um, And so I think Sam Mendes is going to take 1917. I think this one, um, The Dark Horse, is going to be Bong Joon-ho, and Scorsese is also a perennial favorite uh, to win. But I think Sam Mendes just did too much, too good of a job with 1917 that it's just it's his it's his to take uh i've been saying that a lot in the past few minutes but no it it, it is sam and because you know without him that film really isn't the way that it is all right the final category of tomorrow night and of this you know of, of today's episode of the podcast best picture um and just to kind of talk about it briefly you know best picture used to be only five films and ever since then i think since 2009 they've expanded it to uh from five films to now up to 10 films uh this year we got eight and uh no we have nine do we have nine we have nine actually this this year so that's that's uh that's good to see but yeah it's you know who's to say which of these you know out of these nine films which of them would get cut to make it five i just think it's interesting that you know, many, not so long ago, actually, um, there were only five films nominated for this category, and you just have to pick and, you know, go with five films. Um, regardless, your nominate, nomination, nominees uh, for Best Picture are Ford v. Ferrari, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite. All tremendous, tremendous, tremendous films. I think each one of them in their own right deserves to win this Best Picture. And I think um, it's it's going to be close between a few of these. I, I think there are a few that aren't actually going to win or to be even considered. But it's going to be close between a couple and a few. Um, just in my opinion, ranking these films from least likely to most likely, I think... Um, one you can eliminate pretty quickly is going to be Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, it just doesn't seem like out of this bunch, you know, it's not going to be close to, to, to winning. I think Little Women as well, as well as Ford v. Ferrari, um, and, and Jojo Rabbit. I think those, not necessarily in that order, um, but I think those films are just not close, um, to the caliber of the upper half of, of this category. I think next in line is going to be Joker. I think Joker, uh, as you know, for as, as good as it is, you know, and, and as good as it's, you know, being praised for, uh, I don't think it stands a chance to win Best Picture. Um, next comes The Irishman, which, you know, Marty Scorsese is always a, a favorite, like I mentioned before. Um, and, well, 
you know, perhaps before Irishman, actually, and least likely, is Marriage Story. I think Marriage Story, for as good of a film as Marriage Story is, it's not quite there. It's missing something. It's hard to pinpoint what. But let's not kid ourselves. It's going to come down to two films, Parasite and 1917. Um, it's actually very split from what I've seen online and from projections. Many people seem to think 1917. However... Parasite, which had once emerged as a dark horse, is actually rapidly becoming a favorite to win. It's going to come down to those two films. It's going to come down to those two films. It, it reminds me of 2017 uh, or 2018, where it was La La Land and Moonlight, which you know was a disaster, as we remember, with the presentation of that award. But uh, La La Land and Moonlight, it you know La La Land seems to be the 1917. Moonlight seems to be the Parasite um, of this year. Here's, and this one is the closest category to me. I really could flip a coin and be happy with either pick. However, if I'm a betting man, I would have to pick for best picture 1917. I think there's just, A, I mean, A, it has momentum right now. I think that if any of the other award ceremonies are any indication, it has all the momentum going in, um to the academy awards i think it's just it's just got too much going for it and if you've noticed you know from uh the other categories as well it's it's nominated for many 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 of them and i think it's primed to win many many of them and it's not only primed to win many of the of the categories it's primed to win many of the big categories directing cinematography etc etc i think parasite actually while it has many nominations i think it stands to to gain very little from tomorrow. I could be very wrong about this. If it could turn out Parasite turns out to be the big winner of tomorrow. But I actually think it stands to gain very little. And I think it's presence alone. I think it's going to win. Of course it's going to win Best Foreign Film. Um, but that being said, I think 1917 is going to take Best Picture. So just to do a quick, quick rundown of all of my picks to win for tomorrow. Best Picture, 1917. Best Director, Sam Mendes for 1917. Best act, best Lead Actress is going to be Renee Zellweger. Best Lead Actor is going to be Joaquin Phoenix. Best Supporting Actress is Laura Dern. Best Supporting Actor, Brad Pitt. Best Original Screenplay, my pick is Ryan Johnson for Knives Out. Best Adapted Screenplay, my pick is Taika Waititi for uh, Jojo Rabbit. Best Foreign Film is pretty definitively going to be Parasite. Best animated film, I think Toy Story 4. Best cinematography, Roger Deakins, another one of those no-brainers. Uh, best film editing, Ford v. Ferrari. Best costume design, Little Women. Best hair and makeup, uh, Bombshell. Best production design, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Best visual effects, The Lion King. Best original score, Joker. And uh, best sound, edi uh, sound editing is 1917. And best sound mixing, is also 1917. So again, just keeping in mind that these are my personal picks to win. I, I've given some of my personal opinions um, about some of these films and who I think should win and who I think uh, you know deserves to win. And then I've given my picks on who I think will win. But again, uh, you don't have to take any of these opinions to heart. We'll find out soon enough who's going to win. Regardless, I think it's going to be uh, a phenomenal year. It, it has been a phenomenal year this past year of 2019 um, of films, and I think that it's just going to be reflected in tomorrow's ceremonies. I, I really do. I think that um, all these films are great, and my encouragement for you at the end of the show would just be to, to go out and, and see as many of them as you can, because these are great, great films, and they really exemplify different aspects of, of, of cinema. And that's why, you know, you have all these categories, you know, out there like sound editing and sound mixing, because there are people who are really, you know, if it's not you, um, who really aspire to, to, to be good at, at, you know, sound editing and sound mixing and cinematography. And who really, you know, if you go and watch a film like 1917, you get to really see that at work. And so uh, I would just encourage, you know, if you have the chance to really go out and see some of these films, uh, Again, that's a, that's going to be about it for me. I look forward to tomorrow's show. I look forward to discussing this 
uh, with you guys. And um, yeah, if you have any feedback, just leave, make sure to leave it down below. And again, um, these are all my picks. So you can have different picks and just have good discussions with other people. Um, this has been episode three. And again, thanks for listening.